Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Yeah. 
послание апостола Павла к евреям, глава 13 и 9. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 9. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. The grace of God are the great riches, the unsearchable inheritance of Christ that cannot be compared to earthly goods because earthly goods are being prepared for the day of judgment and calamity along with the wicked people. Whereas the grace of God is eternal, the eternal riches, that if a person does not accept today, he will not be able to not just be saved, but he will perish. The doctrine of grace resists and challenges false teachings, temporary earthly goods to strengthen the hearts with the doctrine of grace it is necessary to not mix it with earthly material goods for people almost all Christians for some reason grace is something tolerant loving stooping down Whereas this is absolutely not so. Grace is not something distorted. It is the law. Grace are a kind of unearthly gifts and blessings that have been purchased for us through the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. Second, grace are the laws and commandments that replace and abolish and are independent of the law of Moses. The fulfillment of the commandments of grace is the food that strengthens our heart or our reborn spirit of God. The law of grace not only resists earthly goods that we prefer, but the law of grace challenges and wars with earthly goods. <laughs> Five, grace accepted on the conditions of God, but not brought back on the conditions of God, is grace that is, that is wasted or spent in vain. Grace must be received. It is the justification that we receive as a gift according to grace. It is the gift of grace that we receive as a deposit. Now, in order to return it, we must place this deposit into circulation. And when we place it into circulation, then in doing so, we return it back, but already in the kind of form in which God wanted to see it, because we receive it in His seed. The seed is always the deposit. And then we give it to God in fruit. That's why grace that is received on the conditions of God, but not given back on the conditions of God, this means that grace has been used in vain. And this occurs when we try to use the principles of grace in order to receive 
decaying riches. When people try to find places of scripture about the faith of God in order to inherit earthly goods, furthermore, Grace that is spent to you to gaining temporary goods is grace that is turned into dissipation. Seventh, by looking at material blessings with the arsenal of grace are a part of false teachings which must not be followed, but must be we must run away from these kind of emissaries, these kind of preachers. Preachers of grace that preach that grace is given in order for us to be rich. We're talking about earthly riches. God is not against decaying earthly riches. He is against it when they control control man, when they rule over man. Furthermore, grace that is brought back to God and His conditions is food for God as well as for our heart because this is already the fruit of the Spirit that fulfills and satisfies the hunger and quench of God as well as fulfills the hunger of our spirit. This is the tree of life that brings fruit 12 times, giving fruit each month. This is what a return so it means that it is returned back. Ninth, honoring God in tithes and offerings is the most ancient commandment of grace that is independent of the law. As you can see, the law is not a producer or manufacturer of the commandment of tithes and offerings. The manufacturer of commandment of tithes and offerings is the grace of God that is independent on the law which God had given in Eden in the dignity of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is my hallow, what is holy unto me, don't come near it. Why did God not allow Adam to touch it? Because Adam was a carnal man. <coughs> to come near this, it must be necessary to be a spiritual person. When a person becomes spiritual, when he builds himself into an altar and brings upon this altar a sacrifice, a prayer, the praise of his lips that satisfy the requirements of the Most High, then God says, and now you may eat of this tree, you are now in the likeness of me. Because we know that tithes were used by priests. Levites. It's not that they were forbidden and they had to. And if they did not do this, this was a crime. Whereas the people, if they were to take from tithes, and this for them would have been a crime. You might say, well then, what must be done? We've already talked about how when we honor God in tithes and offerings, then in doing so, we affirm that we ourselves are these tithes. We are holy unto God, and therefore, by offering our offerings to God, we return to Him grace and demonstrate before Him our godliness, because we honor Him. We acknowledge His authority over us. We express our love. We testify of the fact that earthly goods do not control us. It is us that control them. Perhaps someone will say, well, if we control them, how come we're poor? Who told you that you're poor? Who has told you that you are poor? 
You are appraising riches with money, but God appraises this according to the measure of our faith, the level of our faith. We are called to be rich according to faith. You know that all the riches of the world belong to God. And if God gives His children some part out of these riches by placing on their accounts the rest, when they come to a certain age, this doesn't mean that this child is poor. He has a father. He has a father that rules over all the earth as it is written, the earth is the Lord's and all that fills it. But if we are, then if we are the Lord's, then the earth and all that fills it belongs to us. But God wants us to see that all of this belongs to us so that we, having nothing, could behave as though we have everything. As Apostle Paul had said, we, having nothing, yet have everything. When people have this kind of faith, only then God will allow in their hearts the power of righteousness to reign in their hearts and when in their hearts in their bodies the power of resurrection will reign then all of the riches of the world are going to be in the control of these people I don't know how this will be but I know that this will happen that for some time not millionaires and bankers and a group of politicians, oligarchs that today control governments and the world through money. But at this time, when in the bodies of saints with a sound will be destroyed, the power of death and the power of life will be lifted up. They will become the most wisest people, knowing how to place into circulation and what to place into circulation. Therefore, millionaires are going to entrust to them their riches so that they can control these riches. <laughs> it is then that the written word will be fulfilled, that the kings will know what they have not heard of before, what has never been told them before. The image of this is Israel, who, walking out of Egypt, having been freed from the riches of Egypt, had taken everything from Egypt, and there was no one ailing among their tribes. Their shoes were not worn out and their clothes were also not worn out. So practically this is just an image. They had exited out of Egypt and here we in this world, we have left out of this world as Egypt means we have full authority over the world. For some time, independent of the thousand-year reign before the rapture, those people who are called to be raptured, they are going to have such a mind that Solomon never even dreamed of. Solomon was the richest person ever in history and the most wisest. But Christ had said, there are those who are wiser than Solomon, people who are going to be able to carry this faith, calling the inexistent as existent, considering themselves dead to sin and alive to God, 
they are going to be rewarded here on earth. And those who have perished, who had died in faith without having received what has been promised, without having received perfection so that it could not be done without us, when the power of death will be out of our bodies, our bodies will become immortal. It won't, they won't become yet heavenly, but they'll become immortal at this time. <laughs> the bodies of saints that have died in faith, having this promise, will will raise, will resurrect, and we will meet with them before the rapture, and they're going to be found among us, along with us, before the rapture, but they're going to be in transformed bodies, but we are going to be transformed only when we see the coming Christ, and then, along with them, we will be raptured to meet with the Lord in the clouds. And so, when we honor God in tithes and offerings, we testify that we are holy unto the Lord, we express our love to God, and we acknowledge His authority over us. We cut the root of all evil, which is love for money, and our authority over material goods is the root of all good. Let us stand, let us sing, all to Jesus I surrender. And we will worship God in tithes and offerings because our worship will never be able to be perfect without this service. And when people sing, All to Jesus, I surrender, but don't give him more than a dollar, then I understand what awaits these people in the future. As one pastor of the Pentecostal Church had told me, I am Ukrainian, I don't give more than a dollar. And we were sitting together with him, and I had just come to America, and we were singing a song, we sang it in Ukrainian language, All to Jesus I Surrender, this very song. And when he was singing, All to Jesus I Surrender, I started whispering to him, All to Jesus I Surrender, Except all to Jesus, I surrender one dollar. You know, Scripture says that God remembers all of our words. He remembers our words. He is going to judge us on the basis of the weight of our words, how much they coincide with His commandments. Therefore, let us be careful with our words. Because when we say all to Jesus, I surrender, God says all give to me my own and this will mean that this is everything a person can even do this he tries to do something in order to prove to comfort himself that tithes are a part of the old testament but as we've established tithes are a part of the law of grace and they have no relation whatsoever to the law of moses although they found its place there and therefore, all to Jesus, I surrender. <laughs> so each time Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were called to, according to the words of Moses that he had received as a revelation from God, to raise their hands over their offerings before God, and in doing so, to testify that God has blessed them and that they have fulfilled his commandments. We, being that same Israel tied to that same root, drinking from the fruit of the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand, a symbol of your righteous act, over your offerings, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and have brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I did not give impurely. I did not give in sorrow. And I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Oh
have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain depth of unfamiliar to us things that opens up the heart of our Heavenly Father and His relationship with us. Matthew 5.45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven 
is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. And of course, for many people that have come to God, this is a call, this commandment, it scares them because they cannot allow in their mind allowed their mind to agree that a person in this body can be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. In the most part, religion is trying to receive righteousness, trying to uh, become righteous and holy by doing good work. And the more good work they do, the further and further they go away from perfection, the perfection that is like our Father. You know, a child receives when he's born he receives all the qualities of his parents and grows and these qualities begin to open up within him and when people don't understand that they're born from the heavenly father and that he born them holy and righteous and that they don't need to earn righteousness they don't need to earn with good deeds thing uh, to be holy they're a family of God receiving Jesus Christ as their personal Savior they're born as a new creation and they are a part then of God's nature and family they say these things but they don't believe these things and they see their old self their corrupt self and their desires and he says no it's not possible for us to be like the father but we know that God is not looking at our old man he is focused upon what is his belonging our new person that has confronted the old man and their great battle had begun inside this person this is uncomfortable this is painful but it will finish soon when we will cast off this old self from ourselves and dress ourselves into the new person, the resurrection of Christ. Linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as our groom. In the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac, and I've been studying the signs presented in the bride of the lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtues of the lilies of the valley, upon which we are called to look with the eyes of the heart or eyes of faith to form ourselves into the perfection of our Heavenly Father. When we look at, with the eyes of faith upon unseen things, that is when the formation happens of our new person into the image of our Heavenly Father. Luke 12, 27 through 32, here's one of the examples that we are called to look to, the un, uh, unseen. Consider the lilies, how they grow, not the lily itself, but what happens inside the process of the lily, of how it grows. They neither toil nor spin, and I yet say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all the things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When people seek some kind of promises of God, to buy a, an expensive car, a good house, uh, to successfully marry. They 
behave as the people of the world, Gentiles. God says don't seek after these things. Don't pay attention to those things. Your Father will take care of those things. This is His role. You seek the kingdom of heaven. Seek the kingdom of heaven inside of yourself by these instructions of faith. Looking at the given regulation to consider the unseen process of life that flows in the lily of the valley with the eyes of our heart, this means or is the condition necessary for obtaining the kingdom of heaven, giving us the right to dress into the perfection of our Heavenly Father. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved, where the status and function of her heart identified the virtues of these lilies of the valley that represent in her heart the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength. There's a difference between the kingdom of heaven that comes or planted in the form of a seed and one that has already grown into a tree of life is now in full strength. Songs of Solomon 5, 2 through 5. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. We know that the dew is the teaching that we hear, the teaching about the kingdom of heaven. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. We note that in this given place of scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord revealed the sacred relationship of the holy people that are binded or linked to the soon coming meeting of the Lord in the air and this serves as evidence that they are ready to meet with him. Just as Enoch received the testimony, just the same here, this is a testimony. The one that has loved his appearance is the one who is a testimony. This is a testimony in his heart, this morning star, that when he appears in the air, the Lord will change his body within the blink of an eye and take him to himself. Therefore, if we have truly loved the appearance of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine or test ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet with the Lord in the air when He appears for those who are waiting for Him in salvation in their heart, and to reveal and identify the specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet with her Lord in the air, we thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit studying these places in Scripture and Hebrew, present a more elaborate version. I am submerged into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here's the calling cry of my beloved that by the knock upon my door proclaims the ability to use his right and power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness. 
because the authority that represents me, sent by me to you, is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit, and the people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. I have taken off the robe of the sinful man, with his deeds collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. My beloved, for evidence of his love, has stretched out his hand to me because of the offering which I presented, testifying of my respect towards God, and called me to liberty from the dependence of my sinful man with his deeds and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth. And my insides began to worry when he began to act. I arose from the ruins of death by the power of his resurrection, and I cast off the burden of the old law, so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament." that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness, so that my mouth would be able to f be filled with fragrant praise, and the words of my mouth, like myrrh, would produce incense from the four horns of the golden altar of incense. In this place of scripture, presented in the format of a dialogue, we paid our attention to five moments, and these are the most beautiful of women confessing her state as a whole, the voice of the beloved being the response to her state, the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved in response to the most beautiful of women, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we have already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the words, in the third moment, we see the response of the, of the most beautiful of women to the beloved. And as we already noted, the symbol of the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched out his hand is presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for his wise service. And to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for the most beautiful of women, it was necessary to take off the robe of the old man with his deeds. We note that in Hebrew, the phrase to have taken off the robe means to tear off the skin from an animal while it is still alive. Therefore, the phrase, I have taken off the robe, means I have allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that my offer, suffer, in my sufferings I lose my former life. Normally, before an offering was laid upon the altar, they slaughtered or killed the animal. After that, they removed its skin and washed its legs and insides with water. In this situation, however, we see, and we're talking about such an offering, whose skin is removed while it is still alive. Its legs and insides are washed with water, and in this form, the living sacrifice is laid upon the altar. In this manner, before a person is dressed into humbleness, which will allow him to receive the ability to admit his sins before the sons of his mother, as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother, sins that they committed against him, it will be necessary for him to take off the robe of the sinful man. And to do this, it will nece be necessary for him, when carrying his cross, to collaborate with the cross of Christ, because the truth about the blood of Christ purifies us from sin and in this way clothes us into the justification of Christ. At the same time, the truth about the cross of Christ separates us from the producer or factory of sin, which is our old or corrupt man. In a particular format, we have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and the essence of our cross and the difference between the cross and 
the cross of Christ and our cross, as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ, and have been studying the next question, by what signs are we able to determine that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit? And this sign are the fruits of righteousness or fruits of resurrection, the fruits of the tree of life that bears its fruit 12 times, each month bearing its fruit. We note that the image of the cross of Christ is presented in the 12 stones that were placed at the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over death, as well as the 12 stones that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over sin in the flesh. The image of our cross carrying our cross we die for our nation, for our house, and for our corrupt desires, presented in the twelve stones from which the altar of the Lord was constructed. The twelve stones of the altar reveal the good goals and good motives of our heart, the readiness and strive to know the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The living sacrifice that is presented upon this altar is the means that is used to reach these good goals. The first living sacrifice that presented himself upon this altar, the altar, in this case being the cross, is Christ himself, that has opened for us with his living sacrifice the path to the inheritance contained in his precious blood. In the New Jerusalem, as well as the Eden of our heart, the image of the living sacrifice upon the altar of twelve stones are the twelve pearly gates which are the key for entering the kingdom of heaven, inheriting eternal life, which we see symbolized and presented in the tree of life, bearing its fruit twelve times, bearing fruit each month, and leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. We, in a particular format, have already studied the name of the twelve patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when carrying our cross. The twelve pearly gates is the unity of the twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has. The twelve names of the patriarchs upon the twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve principles placed into the foundation of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ. The sign of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become in our heart the results of resurrection in the image of the tree of life that yields its fruit twelve times bearing its fruit each new month. In the Old Testament, identifying the word new pointed to the image of the future that need, needed to be opened up in the New Testament, where a person received justification by the gift of grace independent from the law of Moses that actually produces wrath. From the other side, identifying the word new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life. In a particular format, we together have already studied the fruits of the Spirit presented in the image of the tree, fruit of the tree of life that would yield its fruit in the first two months of the holy year, and have been studying the third month's signs and feasts that are included and noted in, in Scripture. The third month of the holy year is the month Sivan. It was around the middle of May or June, and first of all, the fruit of the tree of life of the third month, Sivan, consisted of this. In the sixth day of the third month, the Feast of the Pentecost <clears throat> was celebrated, that, that at the same time was also called the Feast of the Harvest. We note that in the... In, 
Our situation celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life, which allows us to be binded or bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the conditions outlined in Scripture to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For the most part, people receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues or receive the gift of speaking in tongues don't receive Him as their Lord. They receive Him as their guest. They sing about this, the Holy Spirit, you're a guest of heaven. This is what they preach and invite the Holy Spirit at every service. Holy Spirit, come come to us, is what they say. We need to understand clearly that when people think this way and behave this way, then the Holy Spirit truly comes and leaves as a visitor. He is not their Lord. But for me, it was always fascinating, and I always ask the question at the, when I was young, why is it you invite the Holy Spirit and you leave and don't tell Him what to do next? What, do you just leave Him? You invited him as a guest, he was here as a guest, and then you leave and go home. But what about him? Does he stay here, or how does it work? How do you behave with a guest? If you invited a guest to your house, and then you just left him and, and, and went somewhere else. Even Laban said, asked him as a guest, come in, blessed one, we have food, and why do you abandon him? Why do you then not sit, tell him what to do later? Because as soon as you return again, you again begin to invite him. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is a, a Lord in our heart when we know upon what conditions to invite him as a, a Lord. If we don't know the conditions, we will not be able to invite him as a Lord, but we'll invite him as a guest, as Laban did, and will not follow after him like Laban did not follow. But Rebecca did follow Eleazar, and we will then be left with our nation and not go after the Holy Spirit. And when our nation begins to... Uh, in the, in the scriptures say that in the last days one kingdom will go against other kingdoms and if we go on the sides of the Ukrainians or Benderevs or whoever else we when you say we are this way we support them this is our nation we forget that we are citizens of heaven that we died for our nation for our house but people do not die for their nation or their house because they don't accept the Holy Spirit as their Lord. <clears throat> and nations will arise uh, over nations and kingdoms. They say, well, watch, this is not the end, but this is close to the end. And so people who are not taught how to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of their life will never be able to bind themselves to the Holy Spirit and understandably will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And result, this person will lose their sonhood, that is their salvation. As a young boy, I was told that baptism of the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues, and this was a heresy, and this is a lie. Speaking in tongues is not being led by the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues and still live by the flesh and be resistant to, to all that comes from the Spirit of God. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual experience, but it does not make us spiritual and does not change our sinful character, which we genetically inherited from our fathers. <clears throat> Here is what Apostle Jude, the brother of Christ, 
says, writes about this, Jude 1, 17 through 21. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time and would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. <clears throat> These are central persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, these are speaking in tongues but not having the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. From this place of Scripture, we can see that before you begin to pray by the Holy Spirit in tongues, you need to build yourself up on your most holy faith by the means of the instruction of faith received from that person whom God has sent to shepherd his church. And so, first of all, you need to know, be taught faith, what, what is speaking in tongues, how to pray in it. For any command of God, any promise of God is works uh, by the measure in which you understand it. And so to separate yourself from the common faith is to inspect that person that God has sent that is called to instruct us in faith, to be opposite to him with your own personal opinions, which which comes from searching the scriptures with your own intellect, which pretty much is your placing your mind above the mind of God. Therefore, people who separate themselves from the unity or common faith are people that are of the flesh that do not have the spirit, although they may speak in tongues. This very thought regarding speaking in tongues but not having the spirit is confirmed by the by apostle paul <clears throat> first corinthians 2:14 through 16 and 3:1 by the nat- but the mat- natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him you see he speaks in tongues but he does not receive what is of the spirit and it is not only that he doesn't receive it, but rece- uh, considers it as foolishness. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritually judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that they may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ." Linked with this, we came to the necessity to study a series of already familiar to us questions. Who is the Holy Spirit in his hypostatus and what role is he called to perform in our relationship with God? What conditions are to be fulfilled to accept or receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord? By what signs are we able to judge that we are... We, in our baptism of the Holy Spirit, receive him not in the form of a guest, but in the form of our Lord, as futurely receive him. That is how the chosen by God remainder receives him. And by what signs are we able to judge that we are led by the Spirit of God and not our own spirit behind which the spirit of deception stands? In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions, who the Holy Spirit is in his essence and what role he is to fulfill in our relationship with God, baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, we note that the main difference between the human spirit and the Spirit of God is that the Holy Spirit is God. At the same time, our spirit is the creation of God or His workmanship. The main principle of the collaboration of our spirit with the Spirit of God is clearly, clearly reflected in the first strokes of the book of Genesis. 
Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. This principle consists in that while we can continue to confess the faith of our heart, the Holy Spirit will hover over the faith of our heart, ready to immediately fulfill what is confessed, that faith of our heart. In other words, if in our hearts we do not have the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that would be able to be written upon the tablets of our heart, the Holy Spirit will not hover over our heart until we confess this faith so that he can immediately fulfill it. The revelation about the Holy Spirit and receiving him as Lord is given to those holy people who study and follow the commandments of Christ within the order presented in the body of Christ by the instructions of faith. In other words, those who have the status of a student. John 14, 15, 16. If you love me, keep my commandments. And if I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. This is when a person will receive the Holy Spirit as a comforter, when if he will love the Lord and love for God is fulfilling his commandments and not emotions. Love for God are not emotions. They are the discipline of the mind and will to fulfill his commandments. And to fulfill his commandments, you need to be taught them because commandments have statutes, instructions of how to fulfill them and in which order and how to fulfill them. Receiving the Holy Spirit as your Lord, who will lead battle and prayer together with you, happens when you receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Acts 1.8 Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak or to utter in tongues the mysteries of God or the ability to retrain or discipline yourself and to lead the ship of your faith to eternal life. Speaking in tongues is the result of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The calling and purpose of the speaking in tongues in, as a whole is to give us the ability to make real our, our belonging to God by belonging to His nation, by the path of separating from your own nation, your house, and your life. Until we separate from our own nation, our house, and our personal ambitions, we will not be able to be a part of the body of Christ or belong to it. We can sit in the house of prayer for the rest of our life and be buried there as well as holy people and be sent to heaven, but we will go to hell because we were not separated from our nation, from our house, and our character. We were not delivered from it. And we'll think, well, God is merciful. We have salvation. God understands, but I was doing something. God didn't need you to do something. God needed for you to receive what he has done and accept it, receiving justification freely that he had given you and not earned it. Receiving justification freely, he wants you to perform righteousness and grow in his righteousness. Therefore, the calling and purpose of speaking in tongues fulfills its purpose when we understand their purpose and practice them as a tool in accordance to the norms established in Scripture. With all this, we note that specifically during the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the unique and destiny-affecting ability either to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of our life, to then receive from Him and in Him strength to perform a complete and total separation from our nation, from our house, and from our corrupt desires. 
to then in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit to bear to God the fruits of righteousness, that is, lead a godly life that carries the power of the resurrection of Christ, or receive the Holy Spirit in the only after we cast off this robe of the sinful or corrupt self and separate from our uh, our nation, our house, and our personal desi- desires, we can then renew our mind and dress into the new person or we can receive the Holy Spirit in the form of a dear guest and continue to remain in the dependence of our nation, our house and our corrupt desires and replace the fruits of the Spirit with the works of the flesh having the look of godliness but not having in yourself the power of this resurrection. We note that those who think and teach that baptism of the Holy Spirit can be earned with good deeds, prayers and fasts are people who do not obey the truth and are seen in scripture as foolish. Therefore, baptism of the Holy Spirit will not benefit them. The importance of the tongue in general, and especially speaking in tongues, is explained in Scripture in a specific way. Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Matthew 12.36-37, But I say to you, Jesus says, that for every idle word, man, idle is bad word any bad words, profanity, or any other bad negative words that do not have. But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. When we express not the faith of our heart, we take the words of God and cast them behind ourselves. When you say, I take this by faith, but in your heart you don't have this. And when Thing, the thing that they proclaim does not happen, they become disappointed. God answers only for his own words and not yours. It was not written upon the tablets of your heart. If the words of God will be written upon your t- the tablets of your heart, it won't be important for me than when God responds to them. I can die in the faith not receiving everything that is written but I will die calmly and with joy and will not be stumbling why because I believe that many who have died in the faith did not actually reach what they wanted that without us they would not reach perfection but they did, did not stumble oh God did not give to me God will give when he finds needed we need to know how to wait wait to the death if needed and even dying trust ourselves to God and continue to love him only he knows when and what to give we need to know how to wait it's different when God gave you a heart and said I it gave it to you in your heart and says I healed you and he healed you but when it says it's written he took our sicknesses he may have written it there but you need to present to God what is written in your heart when you come and say Lord look what's here all my life even as a child I received that and I always prayed this way not looking at the fact that nothing is happening I say Lord in my heart you continue to heal the sick you resurrect the dead you cleanse and you purify and give sight to the blind and that is why I rejoice that this happens in my heart and greatly happens and although it is not seen physically 
it doesn't say anything if it if it's already in me and when it will be in you and in me and in others god will find a way how to reveal it or show it the small remainder all over the face of the world in the moment of rapture before they are raptured they will do what he did in the land of egypt in the time of the eating of the Passover lamb. They received healing in that night when they ate the lamb Pesach. They received a great miracle. Those who did not have a hand or an arm, who who didn't have a leg or, or a nose, or at that time there were such terrible judgments and they punished uh, in removing limbs or other parts of the body. They all re uh, received all their uh, members of their body back and they uh, came out completely healed from that land. So before the Lord raptures his people, you will all be healed. You will all will become young. You will not have any debt. I don't know how he's going to do this, but you will not just have not have debt, but you'll have the ability to also to give to others. And so when we will be raptured, we will be healed and without debt, and we will be free from dependences of sin, and you will be servants of righteousness. The thing is, looking in Scripture, any contact, any communication with the Holy Spirit is possible and can happen exclusively by our born spirit that in nature is in the likeness of God that is God's placed order. And, and therefore, if your mind will not be renewed with the spirit of your mind, we will not be able to understand or are born again spirit, and in result, we will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And further, we will not be able to worship God in our spirit and have with Him a lawful relationship, and we will not be able to have a membership to the people, armies of Israel. We note looking at Scripture that the body of a person is the house for his spirit or the clothes of his personal eye job or, or job 10 11 12 clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews you have granted me life and favor and you care and your care has preserved my spirit the body of a person can be a house where he lives either with the holy spirit or the unclean or evil spirit and so when deceived people come and speak in tongues and say that i have a revelation that you have the spirit of fornication or other spirit in yourself, you need to tell him, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, two masters cannot live in one house. A person receiving salvation, the spirit of fornication can't live in him. He can have the character. It doesn't say uh, rebuke the, de uh, the spirit of fornication or other spirits that are evil spirits. You may have a desire to do sin, but having desire to do sin doesn't mean you have the spirit of it. That means that this is an inherited, but besides the inherited uh, things, you have a new person that does not have these things that are inherited. And stop praying for rebuking uh, spirits of fornication or other things. If 
and and go away from such people and close their mouth when they attempt to say these things about you do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you first Corinthians 316 Luke 11 23 through 26 he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters when an unclean spirit if you're not agreeing if you agree uh, that this is just a character that is revealed in you, the, the sinful character, that doesn't mean you have the spirit of it. <clears throat> and you need to remove it as you do other fleshly things. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man and goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Speaking in tongues doesn't mean that the spirit of God lives in a person. He came in the time of the baptism, but as you did not receive him as a Lord, not knowing how to do this, he was a guest and left. The house is clean. And then the unclean spirit comes and sees the house is cleaned out. He takes with himself seven more. These are religious demons. These are dangerous gatherings uh, that speak in tongues but do not have the Spirit of God. They will become stronger in their religiousness and they will present spirits these people can submit themselves or their bodies as a burnt offerings and they could do all kinds of good and pray and they will be stronger and stronger and these things, these demons that inspire these uh, filthy demons that are on earth they, they deal with all those things but those that come from the air those that are above us these are religious demons they you will not have a, a desire to do uh, to commit uh, these other simple sins but as considered but these uh, sins these demons that are under the heavens they will immediately prompt you to do religious things a person with an unclean heart goes to preach Christ to other people not knowing Jesus not knowing about him spending their money thinking that they're receiving salvation because they're evangelizing and so here's what it says what will happen with these house, with the houses with these people the body of a person gives consent or the legal right to either the Holy Spirit or the unclean spirit to affect and reveal himself in the seen physical world a person has the power to give it to whichever one he chooses or wants if you if you if you remember there was a pre, uh, a recent uh, demonstration of gays and lesbians that were saying it's my body I give it to whom I want to yes you do but and so the uh, America will not be a part of the uh, European Union
And so God is preparing to rapture his church and uh, he needs for the European Union that territory. America was not given to that territory. And so the laws that were here and there affecting uh, with all this unclean uh, power, God took and removed that that, uh, rule and placed a new God God, uh, places and removes kings. And so a person can give his body to whomever he wants. You you have the right to. Theref- and so, based upon Scripture, only a person living in the body can allow God, as well as Satan, to reveal himself through his body and affect planet Earth. Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the earth. Proclaiming these words, God pretty much identified its relationship with man as well as planet Earth. And the consistency of this relationship is that God obligated himself not to do anything anything upon planet Earth until man gives him that right. We are created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, we have the ability to live, to cooperate, and function in two worlds at the same time, in the seen or physical and unseen. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in the body. The function of the soul is the mind and will and emotions. The function of the spirit is the conscience, worship, and intuition. The body of a person is the power line or tool for a spiritual person as well as the person of the flesh or sinful person. Pretty much through our body, the spiritual person or the person of the flesh can reveal themselves. When we present our body as an instrument of our sinful person, then our body becomes a tool of sin and unrighteousness. When we present our body as an instrument of our born from God's spirit, our body becomes the tool of righteousness. Romans 6.13, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Based on this fact, to present your body as an instrument and tool of your born spirit It is necessary to learn or give definition, first of all, to the qualities of our spirit. And the first component of the qualities of our spirit or our Eden, in which our worship needs to happen and our communication with God, this is the nature and aspect of our conscience, which we shall continue to study on Friday uh, upon this breastplate of judgment. This is where the judgments of God happen upon the condition that the teaching of Jesus Christ is there as well. The conscience is a unique component of the human spirit differing him from all other earthly creatures and rising him above all earthly creations. And this is the ability to tame their thoughts, words, and actions based upon those requirements that are in his conscience. Hebrews 10, 22, <clears throat> Let us draw near with, true, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Any offering that is brought to God from the position of a filthy conscience prompts God's devouring wrath and not his favor. And members us not to the name Israel, giving us the ability to know God in our prayer battles and to fulfill His will, but to but to the curse, which is a sin, and the one that fulfills the sin. 
Having faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered suffered shipwreck. First Timothy one nineteen. One of the sins that defiles our conscience, where we lose our membership to the name Israel, that means worshippers of God, is desire to drink wine that turns us to dissipation. The results of which then the fiery furnace Ephesians 5.18 and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit Ephesians 5.18 there are three meanings of the words do not drink do not drink of it do not drink a lot but it doesn't mean just don't drink a lot This, but do not touch it and do not take part in drinking it do not drink means do not satisfy yourself with it do not follow after it, do not take pleasure in it. Leviticus 10.9, do not, <clears throat> this is what God said to the holy priests, and today this is the chosen by God remainder that this is spoken for, or, or spoken to. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. It doesn't mean do not drink a lot or it says do not drink because if you drink and you enter in, you will perish as <clears throat> the sons of Aaron had done. Considering that the holy, uh, being a priest in the temple of our body that through uh, by redemption had become God's belonging and you now then serve 24 hours a day drinking these alcoholic beverages in any amounts pretty much uh, makes our conscience filthy and does not allow us to become members of the name Israel. First Timothy 3, 8 and 9, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. The phrase not given to much wine fizz actually means do not pay attention to wine do not have a desire to drink it to escape it as from a, as, as you escape a servant a serpent uh, do not be careful not to drink it <clears throat> do not dedicate yourself to it do not give your body to it and so forth the next component of quality of our spirit is the, for, uh, the aspect of worship itself. Worship is the unique ability to communicate and know God in our spirit. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John 4.24 The result of such worship and knowing God is the change or inspired by the Holy Spirit a style and form of our thinking and uh, our, our form of speaking, our form of thinking, the form of dressing, the way we dress, our clothes will be classical. The next component of our spirit or our Eden where our worship is to happen and our communication with God is the aspect of our intuition. The intuition is the inner sense or the spiritual sense. This is the ability of the spirit to be a median between our mind and our spirit and this is the ability to pass on information from the Holy Spirit to our natural mind in the world they call it subconscious we have it 
the chosen people when our mind is already renewed. This is this is above conscience. Uh, subconscience is when your when your spirit is obedient to your mind when you're controlling your spirit. But above conscience is when your spirit controls your mind. But you will not find this term in any dictionary. There's only subconscious because they don't have an understanding that there's an above conscience that your spirit can be over you because they control everything with their mind. We are <coughs> called to control with our heart and submit our mind to the to our heart. In the tab- tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon, the intuition was that sensory or the golden uh, sensor or sensory that was used. <clears throat> John seventeen seven eight. This is confirmed in such a way. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. And so they collaborate their their renewed mind with their spirit. And they have received them and have known surely that I came came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. John 17, 7, 8. To, the words to have known is the means of the intuition to know and understand in your renewed mind that revelation that the Holy Spirit has placed within our heart to that they have known means to get to know, to understand, and to have a intimate relationship with also. I am that tool that helps you know what is within your spirit. I don't reveal to you new truth. I reveal only what God is already that that God has already placed into you. If I reveal any truth and you understand it, that means that it, you already had it, you just didn't know it. The purpose of a discerner is to reveal in the person what is godly, and God allows uh, people to see it. Any delegated person of God is this discerner, is a prophet. I see not directly what God gives to me, I see it through the church. He placed into the children of God, into his church, his promises, and he allows his discerners to see what is placed into them. And when I preach, those that receive these things, and some say, it's as if we already had this all along. And I say, amen, it was already yours. It already was in you. I'm not revealing to you anything new because you already had it. That is why you understood it. But those who became resistant, that means they don't have it. And when they don't have it and you begin to reveal, they consider this as foolishness. This is foolishness. What is he talking about? We don't understand anything here. Proverbs 2, 3 through 5. If, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Fear is the wisdom of the Lord. Second question, what conditions are to be fulfilled to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord? Now let's read this place, Leviticus 23, 15 through 21. Here, the conditions are presented, the requirements that we need to 
uh, from these uh, symbols, from these uh, symbolic uh, offerings, what do I need to do to receive the Holy Spirit as my Lord? Leviticus, tw- Leviticus 23, 15 through 21. And you shall count for yourself from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits of the Lord. And this, this is generally a stumbling block. God receives us as we are, people say, sinners. Because it says here, then they shall be, uh, they need to be wave loaves. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish. If this is a sin, imagine how it is to offer these seven lambs without blemish. Seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull and two rams. They shall be an offering burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs and they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest and you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy convocation to you you shall do no customary work on it it shall be a statute forever in all of your dwellings throughout your generations eternally one that goes into the New Testament as well and you will not do any customary work in this day that means not mix any human things into the works of God because any celebration of the Lord is the perfect and finished work of God that is in his redeeming grace to do no customary work means to not again mix anything human into things of God or the works of God and so offering these two loaves uh, these two loaves breads uh, the soil of our heart will if we do not offer these in accordance to God's conditions our heart will not be able to receive these things to offer them correctly and so the soil of our heart to be able to be to receive the seeds of the kingdom of heaven receiving the uh, the Holy Spirit as the uh, Lord of our life it is necessary for us to fulfill these ten or seven requirements that we read uh, in this place of scripture First, the two wave loaves need to be prepared from two-tenth of an ephah of fine flour. Second, together with the two new loaves of uh, new wave loaves, it is necessary to offer seven lambs of the first year. Together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to offer one young bull and two rams. Fourth, together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to bring the grain offering and the drink offerings. Together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to sacrifice one kid of the goat as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. Sixth, together with the two new wave loaves, this priest needs to bring 
all these and wave all of these before the Lord together with breads and the two lambs. And seventh, the offering is to be brought at the time of the holy convocation, and at this time no customary work is to be done. And so to know what conditions are to be fulfilled when celebrating the uh, Pentecost so that the Holy Spirit would receive status in our heart as our Lord or what conditions are to be fulfilled to receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord, it is necessary for us to study what requirements are contained in these offerings and celebrating any feast is offering yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God for his good service because as much as we know specifically a living sacrifice is that same latch of the door through which the Lord receives the ability to stretch out his hand as a sign of his favor towards us where we receive the ability to bear fruit to God in accordance to the nature of of the of each new month that consists in the 12 months of the new year first what requirements do we see in the two wave breads prepared from 10 to tenths of an ephah of fine flour that would give us the right to receive into our heart the holy spirit as our lord we know that by itself the two tenths of an ephah talks about the holy portion of god or that what belongs to the lord the tenth itself something he redeemed with the blood of his uh, the blood of his cross considering that the holy portion of god which we see in these uh, loaves is a person offering himself as a living sacrifice acceptable to god and so the two-tenth part of the ephah of fine flour is talking about the two parts of the essence of the redeemed by God person and these two forms or essences of a person are the spirit and the aspect of the renewed mind as well these two aspects that a person received has and uh, the mind that he renewed with the spirit of God's mind and so the two loaves that a person brings to God is a symbol of the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength that we see here 1 Corinthians 5 7 8 therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us and so therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump now that you're a new lump since you truly are unleavened for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth and so the leaven of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus himself that is the slain lamb or the lamb Pesach that then leavens us when we cleanse ourselves from the old leaven in the New Testament, these two breads, the disciples were given the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to leave the position of childhood, spiritual childhood, to be in the image of, the image of Christ. Matthew 13, 33, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Here, here's the kingdom of heaven. It's not talking about sin. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's like leaven. So for the kingdom of heaven to grow, you need to put we as a new lump begin to grow as 
as this kingdom of heaven or in the kingdom of heaven, you need to put the leaven of the kingdom of heaven in there so that it it may begin to spread. As a small, a little bit of this leaven uh, makes the entire bread leavened and or the that's how we the kingdom of heaven then leavens all of us considering that by the instructions of faith where we uh, get to know Christ the leaven of the kingdom of, hev- of heaven in this parable was placed into three measures of flour the two uh, wave wa- uh, wave breads that we see in this place of scripture we're studying we see here as our spirit and our mind which is renewed we can also receive the third aspect here that is the resurrection of Christ or third component as we see that she took three measures which is our body but you have not so uh, learned Christ if indeed you have you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness Ephesians 4 20 through 24 The second requirement in celebrating the Pentecost, giving us the right to receive within our heart the Holy Spirit as in the format of our Lord, together with the wave breads, two wave breads that we've been studying. For God, the time, He being the creator of time and one who uh, rules over this time, for a thousand years it could be one day for Him, and for one, uh, one day for Him could be a thousand years. Every time when in scripture we see a living sacrifice of one year to understand what seven means we need to know what a a lamb of one year is Hosea 5 15 1 and 6 1 through 3 then they will seek my face in their affliction they will earnestly seek me come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn but he will heal us he has stricken but he will bind us up after two days he will revive us on the third day he will rise us up that we may live in his sight On the third day is when the Lord will rule for a thousand years on this earth. And the two days are together with the Gentile people or the people. uh, He'll make one of all people and they will live together. Right now, they don't live. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of our Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. 
Luke 4:16 through 19. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found at the place where it was written, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed." To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and so the era of grace. As much time has been going these two thousand years, this is one holy year in the Spirit. And here's another confirmation or place of scripture that the living sacrifice presented by God as the one-year uh, one, uh, lamb is as the year of the Lord is as one year of the Lord. Identified in the measure of the holy year, which are the twelve new months, Isaiah 63, one through four. Who is this who comes from Edom? Edom is the soul. With dyed garments from Bozrah, this one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red, <clears throat> and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. For I have trodden in Jesus Christ. We trodden the winepress of the soul. For I have trodden them with in my anger and trampled in them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. The year of the redeemed again is where we need to finally. Uh, make an end with our our old self, considering that the number seven is a symbol of the fullness of Jesus Christ. When we're, ta- we're talking about the seven lambs, uh, we see here the fullness of Jesus Christ. Colossians two eight through twelve. Be- beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism. In which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Further, he he writes. Therefore, I. This is also Ephesians one fifteen through twenty three. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance. For the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the, to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this state age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all the. Things that is the church, which is the body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Here it's talking about the body of Christ, which is fullness, His fullness. 
the third meaning we will study in the next services. As our time is up, we right now will pray and everyone who desires to, d to resist the temptations of the soul and to uh, receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of your life and stop treating Him as a guest. Receive Him as the Lord of your life and have a communi communication with Him, a continual communication, not with the Father and the, and the Son, but the Holy Spirit Himself. Some people say, the Father told me, the, that's their spirit or the deceiving spirit. The Father doesn't speak to us. He sent Christ, but Christ sent the Holy Spirit. Our spirit can speak to with uh, the Holy Spirit can speak with us, and with us speaks already our newborn spirit and gives the revelation from the Holy Spirit by the means of the intuition. And so, right now we will pray, and all those who want to be free from fear, from dependence of sin or anything else, you have the teaching of justification, you can justify yourself, you can be justified by confessing and repenting and accepting the Holy Spirit as your Lord, and that He may teach you how to be led by Him. We will pray for you, the Holy Spirit is here to help you. Amen. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. Close your eyes as a sign and lift your hands as a sign that you're ready to receive from God what He desires to give you and your choice to be led by the Holy Spirit. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and I open up my heart. I condemn my old man. I die for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. I want that you be my Lord, the Lord of my life. Enter in, not as a guest, but as a Lord. I want to be led by you. I submit myself to you. I worship before you. May your mercy be upon me in your healing. May your mercy be upon me in your protection, protection from sin and all kinds of dependence, from all kinds of fear and from all kinds of shame. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with a shining face and show you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the blessings of the hills and the valleys be upon you, and may the blessings of healing be upon you. May you be healed inside of yourself and your children. May all these things be upon you and be fulfilled upon you and your family. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.